1: Hello and welcome to An Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW on this wonderful New Year's Eve. Um, I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and this show is brought to you by the wonderful, generous, supportive members of Informed Choice Washington, as well as Children's Health Defense. So we are here commercial-free. We're you a few public service announcements, but we're commercial-free just to Bringing you information that you need to know. And we've done our best to try to keep you informed over this past crazy 2021 year. And we are going to be with you all the way in 2022. And I I predict good things are going to happen um, in 2022. Um, My co host is here, Javier. Can I? There he is. Hey, Hey, Javier. Good. So, Javier Figueroa, as, you, as listeners know, is our wonderful co host now. And, and he brings uh, a little extra touch of brains to our, to our uh, dynamic duo here. But, uh, you know, I'm really excited to announce that um, our, our guest today for this first hour is somebody who also has a radio show. Her name is Patricia Finn. She is known as the Good Health Lawyer, and she is up in New York. Hello, Patty.
2: Hello, how are you? Oh, we're I'm very, not looking very virtual. You are very
1: virtual. That's okay. You know, every all things go these days, you know. We're all just scrambling. We're, you know, we're just your average people who stepped up to communicate, right? Um, I'm trying to look a little more professional myself. I got an actual green screen so that my background <laughs> looks a little better and I've got a professional mic now and I've got some insulation around me so that my sound might improve. And then in the studio, we've got the wonderful Nathan at KKNW, who's just a genius with the tech stuff. I just so grateful to him, you know, and, and, and Javier now has, has set up some a studio down in his basement. I believe Indeed, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and Patty, you're looking a little virtual, but we got gotcha. you. You know, I'm in
2: the kitchen at my house. <laughs> so, I'm not in my studio but Yeah, if I yeah. was. I don't know, maybe it's uh it's special.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's works. it's pretty it cool. Works. Um but you know, Patty has the Good Health Lawyer Radio Hour up in New York um, on Mondays at five PM, a drive time. It's really pretty cool, and I, I like to play her sidekick once in a while on that show. She calls me her co-host, but I, I think of myself more of her sidekick on that uh, show. And and you know, we cover amazing things. She's a great attorney, and we're going to dive into that, uh, Patty. Give some history here and and and. I want you to tell listeners about some of your wins. But before we begin, I want to tell listeners everywhere that today we would love for you to call in. It is New Year's Eve after a crazy year, right? And 2022 starts tomorrow. And I want us to hit the ground running. So if you've got a New Year's Eve resolution that you are going to do something, take action, large or small, do something to restore freedom where you live Mm -hmm. and to protect freedoms that are remaining and make sure all of this craziness never happens to us again, I want you to call into the show. So if you're watching, you're going to see it scroll down um, on the little banner thing that scrolls through. But if you're listening here, our studio line is 1-888-298-KKNW. Or if you're local, you can call 425-373-5527, and I'll repeat those numbers once in a while to get you to call in and, and join us on this New Year's Eve. So first of all, Patty and Javier, have you guys met? Is the first time. Wow. This is my first time. Yeah.
3: Pleasure to meet yeah. you.
1: Yeah. Javier, tell um, Patty, because I always forget, what what's your degree in?
3: <laughs> so my doctorate is in neurobiology and behavior. Um, I graduated from the School of Public Health uh, in the Department of Environmental Health and Toxicology. So I also have a background in toxicology, as well as training in uh, microbiology and virology from UC Davis. So uh, all in all, I I feel pretty lucky at this time to have the background and training to uh, dissect and pull apart a lot of the studies that are being put out there and to uh, really point out the utter uh, BS that is being propagated by CDC and FDA on what's been going on. Uh, And I count myself lucky to be uh, able to connect with uh, so many people from around the world like you, like Bernadette, uh, in getting the message out. And uh, making people aware that, you know, this is our country, this is our society, and we have the obligation and the duty to point out when we see something that is incredibly wrong. And we are the sovereigns. By declaration and international law, we are the sovereigns and we have autonomy over our own bodies.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you. And, you know, he's one of the brave souls like you, Patty, that is publicly standing up and speaking out, you know, everybody puts their jobs on the line when they do that, they put their reputation because you don't do this without being attacked. And so I so admire Javier. Uh, I'm so grateful to be working with him. Um, You're welcome on the radio show as well as with informed choice, Washington. So, um, so he's, he's just a great part of our whole dialogue. Now, Patty, you have been working in the field of really maybe consumer protection in regards to vaccines and religious freedoms in regard to vaccines for a very long time. Um, tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your
2: practice. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm in New York and it's, uh, as you know, if you can't tell by my accent, um, it's pretty strong, uh, particularly when I'm uh, fired up. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, hard to escape where I'm from but um, I've been doing this for a long, long time, about 20 years, and um, I don't know if I would call it consumer protection. It's, it's really more civil rights. Um, when I became an attorney, um, honestly, I had not vaccinated myself or my children, and I knew nothing about uh, vaccine harm. Uh, for me, I just thought nobody can tell me what to do. Nobody yeah. can tell me I have to inject something and, and boy, was <clears throat> I wrong. You know, it, it turned out the government has extraordinary authority over your body. And if you are concerned about that, uh, you know, the courts are, can help. Um, but your real relief is in your legislature. It's, it's the people that you are voting in the office. And if you are considering to vote for anybody and you are passionate about this issue, then you need to find out what their position is on vaccines. And if they are pro-mandate and you vote them in and then you lose your job uh, because you won't vaccinate or your kids get kicked out of school, you know, you're out of luck. Um, The cases that we brought uh, traditionally were for children. And, um, you know, who doesn't love children, right? And I was saying to myself when I had my own children and when I started looking at this schedule, I was like, this is crazy. They're giving children 65 vaccines or I think it's even more by maybe it's 73 by age uh, 18. -hmm. And then if you go on to school in New York, you know, you get more, you get meningococcal, you get flu, you you know, it's, it's just never ending. And, you know, I was very idealistic. I thought, wow, you know, the Constitution protects us. But I'm here to tell you it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, uh, Dr. X, if you're familiar with um, Dr. Kerriardi at UC Irvine. He, he just got let go. That's right. Because he filed that lawsuit. And, you know, when you think about a guy like that, a medical ethicist, someone, you know, a brilliant doctor, and now he's facing repercussions about a lawsuit that he filed. You know, I, I hope that he gets his job back. And, you know, it's very, very clear retaliation. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I was very, very concerned about that. Do you know him?
3: I don't know him personally, but I do know his uh, his case. And I just find it incredibly uh, ironic that a bioethicist uh, that is actually there to provide guidance on how to, uh, you know, balance the needs of public health with, the, with individual rights and, uh, you know, the protections afforded to by international law, all of a sudden is retaliated by UC Irvine, University of California system targeted this doctor and basically in retaliatory fashion took away his income, his job. And it it still is unbelievable to me that somehow they think they're going to get away with it because it violates federal state uh, law at all levels. You are protected from retaliatory action even if you're suing your employer. That's California law.
2: Yeah. well you know i I always thought California was such a cool place you know everybody was like loved it. I went I went to California a couple times then I remember when I got off uh, the plane into the airport everybody was beautiful <laughs> 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 and someone said yeah all the actors and actresses come to California and in New York uh, you know everybody's beautiful too but you know, it's, it's so much harsher. It really, really is. And my girlfriends in California, you know, we'd be in meetings and, and they'd be all sparkly and beautiful. And, and <laughs> we'd be like in suits and aggravated. And, uh, I, you know, I was really digging California, although I am afraid of earthquakes. And, uh, you know, for that alone, I wouldn't go there. And I would never leave New York, ever. Um, but, uh, I am concerned about what's been going on there. Senator Pan yeah. in particular, I believe, uh, began a lot of the problems that you have in that state. So yes. again, I go back to my original point, you know, you got to get this guy out of office. I, I don't know if any of you saw that video where he was running down the hall away from parents. Yeah.
4: For,
2: you no. You know, protesting. pan ran. Yeah. Yeah. Pan ran.
1: They they said it to the Pink Panther music. That was so
2: good. Oh, did they? Yeah.
1: I think I think I think Dal Bigtree was trying to get him to answer a question and he just took off running and they chased him down a hall and downstairs. I mean, it was hysterical. He wouldn't. He wouldn't talk. Yeah,
2: well, California leads the way in madness, you know, but now New York, uh, I don't know, I think we've exceeded it. We have a slew of bills uh, pending in January, and basically they'll allow the governor to lock you up if you are a perceived uh, threat, And, and there's no due process, nothing
1: so patty um when you say that they're pending for january does that mean they're up for a vote or that these things have passed
2: no they're they're up for a vote so the people of
1: new york need to get really active and contact their legislator and let them know do not vote for this
2: right and they are and you know i i will be at a rally on january 5th oh Um, good i'll be with the radio station and and i am general counsel to make america again mm-hmm. and wow. we have a very large uh group here in new york and and they're marvelous people and uh mappa has supported a lot of my cases so maybe mm-hmm. i should tell you about those
1: yes definitely um, tell us about those we, we
2: have a lot of litigation going on and it's very exciting and um, I, I would just start out by saying, I have tended to avoid uh, constitutional arguments. Mm. Um, they, don't, they don't really work. And you know, there's a long history of showing they don't work. Right. But what does work and, and what is effective is the legislation. I mean, there are rules in place um, uh, in addition to constitutional protections that um, prohibit mandatory vaccinations. Uh, for example, in New York, we have a law that very specifically prohibits adult vaccine mandates. So, how is it that the mayor and the governor and you know, an employer or anybody else can can attempt to coerce an adult vaccine mandate that is against the law. Mm-hmm. So somebody uh, just asked me about NYPD. And yes, indeed, I, I have a case pending uh, in, uh, with NYPD versus, uh, Mayor de Blasio, who's gonna be excommunicated tonight at midnight. And yet his legacy of, uh, tyrannical mandates, uh, mm. is gonna continue. We got news yesterday that the new mayor, Eric Adams intends to continue, uh, these mandates and Um, Quite frankly, I was hopeful that he wouldn't, but it looks like he's going to.
1: Wow. Um, How about we bring um, Liz on? Liz, would you uh, like to come on and and talk to Patty about this issue? Hi, Patty. Thank you so much for all you're doing for the cause. Um, I'm in
5: New York City and listened in yesterday to your court case uh, for Marciano NYPD, Um, I was extremely happy to hear at least the judge uh, complimented you a few times that he was impressed with you. My question is, will the NYPD Marciano case be amended to a class action lawsuit to benefit all of New York City um, employees affected by the
2: mandate? Um thank you and i'm I'm really glad you listened and i you know that judge is is a big judge he's uh i was I was kind of surprised he said that um but you know if you were listening there were a lot of things that not even the defendants knew uh, oh. about, about the law um am I going to amend it to a class um I don't think so and here's why i don't have to i may bring in another plaintiff that is currently out of work Um, but uh, for me i I think these putative classes or these big class actions they don't really they're not there there's no need and here is why if i win for detective morisiano i win for everybody do you understand Liz what I mean if it's I the totally law violates, yes uh, I
5: understand
2: yes are I'm,
5: you going to potentially bring another NYPD um, someone on leave without pay because I know the judge said basically how does this affect Marciano when he's not on leave without pay he's still being paid so you're going to bring someone who's on leave without pay correct
2: I'm um, thinking about it, and uh, there have been people proposed, but let me you know, respectfully address that ruling. Um, my opinion was uh, a federal judge in, in the Southern District of New York was not going to give me a temporary restraining order, no matter no what, way. against the mayor of New York. Uh, even though the state court had done so last week. Temporary restraining orders are hard to come by. I mean, I've gotten several of them, which were shocking. Even when I read them, I I couldn't believe my eyes. Her goal is, of course, a preliminary injunction. But the judge, I believe, was incorrect when he said, that because detective Morniciano was still working he was not suffering irreparable harm hmm. and he limited irreparable harm to pecuniary to financial do you remember him saying that and yeah. i responded saying it's not a pecuniary matter right it's a constitutional matter which is what landed me in the federal court. The, the fact is, if you have a right under the statute and that right is being violated, then you have a due process right. And if Detective Morris the rights are being violated, then so is everybody else. And the, the judge had said, you know, well, the detective could sue, or at least that's what the defendant said. But I made this point, Liz, that um, the detective cannot sue because these vaccines are uh, preempted from liability under the
0: president. Uh.
2: So no matter what happens to you, you could have a vaccine and your head could pop off. Your building or your business could be destroyed, and you have absolutely no way to recover any damages. And this is not a surprise because it's the same for children. One yes. of the things we were going to talk about tonight is a little girl named KM that I represented in vaccine court. Now, this little girl got a flu shot and she had a heart attack and died. <laughs> so don't let anybody tell you that they safe. safe. Um, it took me 10 years to try this case.
0: Wow.
2: How I even held on is, is unbelievable because if you knew what was happening to me at my firm, you know, we were being cyber attacked. Yeah harassed, I mean, endlessly, but through the grace of God, you know, I managed to hold on, but, and, and prevail. I believe there's only been one other child ever compensated in vaccine court for this type of death. And that benefit is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's it. That's all she gets. Yes.
1: So is that um, decision by the um, V.I.C.P. by the Vaccine Injury Compensation? I'm not pulling the program. words up correctly program right yeah. um is is it readable? because I know often in the cases that become public, we're able to go read and we read the science that showed that there was um a, there was the the likelihood, if not yeah. certainty that the injury or death. Was caused by the vaccine, and and so the science is often very precedent setting. Right. Um, is yours? Uh, is this case public to oh, be yes. made? It's, oh, uh, good. It's fifty-one pages. Wow. Okay. So later and, uh, on, we'll post that for um, for viewers. We'll put it on our our um, radio show page uh, when we write about it, so people can go read it. We'll post the link to it.
3: Right. I have okay, a so- quick quick question and I, I don't know if uh, this was addressed in your, uh, <clears throat> uh, when you spoke to the judge. Uh, these, va- these I, I don't call them vaccines, I call them inoculations. That's the appropriate term. Uh, they're not, they don't prevent disease so they do not classify as vaccines. Uh, they're inoculations and they're gene therapies. But in your discussions in your uh, filings, was there ever any mention of the emergency use authorization uh, 21 CFR 360 that basically states you have the right to decline without any.
2: We didn't, we didn't really reach that uh, yesterday, but it's in my papers and you, you hit the nail on the head. This is exactly the liability part. Mm -hmm. You take a EUA vaccine, right, which is a countermeasure. It's presumed you've given voluntary informed consent. And then you lose your right to damages, to sue. So although that is in the complaint and, and will, you know, be elaborated on. The fact is, though, other courts have shot that down. They There was an Indiana University case, I think, or it may even have been UC Berkeley or UC Irvine. Judge said it didn't matter that it was an emergency use authorized drug, but it clearly does. Mm-hmm. The problem exactly. we have with NYPD is... They are being forced to give involuntary consent Right. and then they will lose their rights to sue. And <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't know, Liz, if you were there, I don't think the judge knew that when I mentioned that.
5: Um, and- I am um, a New York City DOE teacher here. That's um, who I am. Um, I don't recall that part. Uh, well,
2: I mentioned that uh, they said that the city, uh, the detective could bring what's called a Monell claim, And I explained to him, no, he can't. That this this detective has absolutely no recourse, neither do anybody. And no one does. No one does. You are, if you use this emergency use vaccine, mm-hmm. you are waiving informed consent. And that's why these mandates are trying to strong arm you into waiving informed consent. And that is the the ultimate problem here is you can't take a public health mandate for an emergency use drug that requires informed consent and then turn it into an employment mandate. And enforce it through an illegal order. And the reason the order is illegal is because in New York State, adult vaccine mandates are against the law. And I think the judge got that. I mean I, I'm quite I don't want it's One hundred percent he got that. <laughs>
5: you know, a lot I, of, I agree <laughs> right. I think he's shocked. I don't think he knows what to do with this and they're just gonna delay it as long as they can. And you oh, know, no. you are a one woman show here and the city came in with those with two lawyers, two against one and their argument was weak. I was really insulted at the fact that they said that, you know, Marciano wouldn't be homeless. Like, how can you make an assumption that he wouldn't be homeless? You don't know what his mortgage or his rent is per month, you know? I'm a teacher on yeah. leave without pay, and I have a notice to to quit from my landlord, you know? So how dare they say that he won't be homeless?
2: I'm sorry about your troubles. I I really, really am, and you know, I could tell you things that have happened to me, uh, in, in this particular field that I'm in. And I share with you, uh, your, your, your pain. I really, really do. But this is not going to drag on. It's going to be fast because I am not going to drag in detective one of pay stubs and, uh, inheritance or whatever else uh, they think he might have because the issue is he has a due process right to the statutory protections of the public health law. And if the reason the Board of Health did not mandate this and the mayor did it by executive order is because in New York, if you want to uh, impose uh, an involuntary medical drug or device, a mask, you have to get a court order to do that. You need a judicial order of quarantine. Now, in a particular situation, if you were, in, if the local board of health identified somebody as a target of suspected or infected with the disease, they definitely could petition the court and get a court order imposing that drug or medical use device. Now, the problem for the Board of Health is none of you are sick. Many of you (laughs) have immunity, so they can't meet the first standard. And even if they could... They could only mandate, I don't think they could mandate the EUA, but the drug, but they probably could isolate you, for, but only up to 30 days. They they can't do it indefinitely. The law is very, very clear. And this law traditionally applied to people with mental health issues. Ah. Uh when you had people that were mentally ill and they were being forced to take uh, anti-psychotropic drugs and they were refusing, they were getting court orders uh, to make them take those drugs, but those drugs are FDA approved. Yeah. So this is very, it's clear uh, what happened. And quite frankly, The Board of Health can't mandate this vaccine, and they Mm -hmm. know it. So the mayor, using his executive powers, is trying to force it on you. And my argument is he doesn't have the legal authority to do it, because only the legislature can mandate a vaccine. And in New York, our legislature has already determined Mm
0: -hmm. no
2: mandates no vaccines and no masks so where they're getting this from is beyond me but it is definitely not going to drag on yeah <laughs> um, i'm
5: glad to hear that thank you so much for the privilege to be able to chime in this um, conversation i'm gonna go so if there's anyone else that wanted
1: to call in um, have a happy new year everyone god bless thank you so much thank Thanks. you Thank you, Liz. Bless you. And I hope this new year works out for you and that Patty moves on to a win and it impacts uh, you to the to the positive there. Um, so if anybody else does want to call in, I want to remind you that the studio line number is 1-888-298-KKNW or 425 373 Five five two seven. So call in if you have a question for Patty, or if you want to tell us what you're doing in the new year to take action to restore and defend freedom uh, wherever you are. Um, so, so many things come to mind um, through the this last half hour of conversation that we've been having. One was, you know, backing up a little bit to the professor who of ethics who lost his job for... Um, you know, speaking honestly about the jab and then suing over jab mandates. It's really, those showing that it's a, just yet another layer of the systemic corruption of our entire educational, scientific system. Um, and, you know, uh, what COVID has done a little bit is sort of like flipping the light on a cockroach-infested infest, room, you know? If you walk in in the dark, you can hear them scrambling around. You turn on the light, and then, shoop, they scurry off to the corners, right? So this is either turning on the light or turning off the light. I'm not sure which. But but we are seeing the very fact that a university would fire somebody over that rather than look logically with common sense at the actual data of the product, of the policy, of the laws, and then act accordingly, but they're not. So that shows that corruption, that the universities are owned by the pharmaceutical industry. Yes. And um so things, you know, in many places will get worse before they get better, but in their getting worse, it shows yet one more place that needs cleaned up, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. And Javier, a graduate of the University of Washington, and he's been putting out wonderful um open letters and trying to get some correspondence with his alma mater over nothing. what they're doing and you get nothing, yeah. you know, it's like, hello, here you're breaking the law. Here's the evidence. Here's the statutes. Here's everything going on. Nothing. Crickets. Um, crickets.
3: Yep. So one thing I do want to <laughs> ask is at any point, one of the things that just still gobsmacks me is that everything that has been done so far, mask mandates, PCR tests, antigen tests, any sort of test to detect whether or not, you might have either the, the RNA or the protein for SARS-CoV-2. They're all under an emergency use authorization.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: They're all under emergency use authorization. There is no gold standard. There is no vi- uh, validity. There is no mm-hmm. diagnostic proof that it's actually telling you anything useful. Has, was, has that ever, or have you used that as a uh, part of your uh, defense?
2: You know, uh, I've tried, and that in the past, you know, before COVID, uh, and it it doesn't work. They they don't want to hear it. You know, the the court is, you know, vouchy loving, and that's yeah. it. And and let me let me clear that the law sure. is that there is deference to public health. Now, what what we have done here in this case, which I do say so is brilliant, (laughs) I I didn't bring in another scientist. You know, I didn't drag up some scientist and ruin his career and put him (laughs) on the stand. What I did was I used CDC's data against CDC and yeah and they kept trying to you know say this is a battle of the experts and i kept saying no we have the same expert as them yep and my expert is cdc and cdc is saying you have a 99% survival rate mm-hmm. now under the state law in order to mandate a vaccine or <laughs> Let me let me rephrase that. And let me let me take it back historically. In 1990, uh, 2019, we had a measles outbreak. Oh, area. that's right. Yes. And there was a an executive order that prohibited all non-vaccinated children from public places. <laughs> now, I'm like the budget eight hotel of lawyers. Okay, we don't have a lot of money. We don't uh, have rich uh, lawyers, white shoes, you know, the whole thing. It's nothing like that. I mean, we are really nitty-gritty. So here I got this executive order, and I get the government's papers. If, if you actually read the government's papers, they sink themselves. I took the papers into the courtroom. I This took me 15 minutes. I held it up. I counted the word epidemic 25 times. And I said to the judge, they're saying we're in an epidemic. And then I said, they say we have two measles cases. And I asked him, is that an epidemic? And he said no. And he struck it down. <laughs> now, the executive law that the mayor is relying on is the same law. And it defines in New York State. It doesn't define epidemic, but it defines a disaster right. as a, an epidemic there is no definition of epidemic in the state law well, now cdc did have and uh, cdc did have a definition at one time that you needed a 7.7 percent mortality rate to be declared an epidemic that's gone
3: that's gone yeah
2: so i said to the judge If I have a 99% survival rate, what's the hubbub? Where, where's the disaster? Where is the emergency? And, you know, I will bring that up in addition to the EUA. And in addition to the fact there is no emergency, but. My prediction is that this, this court will never reach that question. Right. They will rule on the statute. And I, I, I'm right. I mean, it, English is English. The law says no adult mandates. Yeah. Now, the children are definitely at risk, and we need to address that. Yeah,
1: definitely. And we're dealing with that here in in Washington State, which we'll talk about in a bit. But it looks like we have Anthony from New York City on the line, and he wants to ask a question um, about class action, the people, and de Blasio. So, Anthony, are you there?
4: Hi, yes. Hi, Patty. Good evening.
2: Hey, how you doing, Anthony?
4: Good. Um, yeah. So, I've heard that um, a, a lot of people are talking about um, single plaintiffs versus class actions. Um, class actions don't seem to be um, that haven't been as successful in the past for this sort of um, case. But um, in lieu of
6: in, in view
4: of what's been happening in the courts recently, where they're trying to limit um, people. That are similarly situated, they're trying to like push it back down to plaintiffs. Um, What's the possibility of having a class action against the city? Against the body. Now
2: that's that's an excellent question. Um, The, the similarly situated has never been challenged up until Wednesday. right, that, that was really the first time that you know, it was challenged. And I said to the judge, well, if it violates my client's rights, it violates everybody's rights. But he wasn't buying that. and primarily because he wasn't going to give me a temporary restraining order against the mayor, you know, in 10 minutes. And I don't think, uh, it was that unreasonable. Right. Um, he, the the standard uh for the temporary restraining order is irreparable <laughs> law. and he narrowed it to detective morniciano and i don't as i said in the beginning respectfully i i don't believe that's correct but he's the judge yeah and, and i have to i have to work within the construct of the law and what the judge wants and the judge was very clear He made a lot of uh, really good points and I'm 100% ready to attach them. The fact that Anthony uh, Detective Morisiano does not have his temporary restraining order, it it doesn't really change anything with respect to the ultimate decision Mm -hmm. that will be given. And if I prevail in demonstrating the public health law in New York State prohibits adult mandates. And then I'll add in, you know, EUA, novel coronavirus legislation, uh, public health law 2020 requiring a judicial quarantine. I mean there there's a lot of ammo there. When Anthony, uh, when Detective Morrisano wins, everybody wins. But, yeah everybody right one of the um even
4: it's sort of like when you have a, a finding uh a judgment in your favor sometimes the enforcement is just as hard to win so even if you get something that's similarly situated um you know that there's a lot of pushback in the enforcement against particular classes versus having a class action of the whole city against the um
2: Look, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not big on class actions. I'd rather have root canal than a class <laughs> action. I don't really see the need. If if Anthony wins, everybody wins. Yeah. And let me let me give you an example. In the case of Roe v. Wade, okay, I think it was in the fifties. You had a mother that wanted to terminate her pregnancy, and the court. Uh, did not rule on that until four years later, right? And that baby is alive. She is alive today. In the end, the court ruled that uh, that uh, Roe could have terminated that baby. So Roe, one woman, <laughs> one woman's case, set the standard for reproductive rights throughout the United States. Right. So she didn't get a temporary restraining order either. In my case, I did not focus on the constitutional claims that Roe raised and constitutional claims are complicated. You know, and, and the courts are striking them down right and left. You know, people keep going in the courts saying, I have a right to breathe and I have a right to bodily integrity. And the courts keep saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. So, you know, how many times are you going to bang your head against the wall? What, what we have in New York is a statute and legislation that, prohibit adult vaccine mandates and prohibit the use of, of masks and uh, vaccines. So you don't need to reach the constitutional claim. Do you yeah. understand, Anthony? Yeah, there's a group
4: that's um, that says that they're raising funds to do a class action. Would you take that on?
2: I would would take on a case for one person similarly situated to others. That is not a dead stick. Simply because the judge denied Detective Marciano's TRO doesn't mean that he's going to ultimately prevail. And if, if he wins, then you know, I, I suppose everybody that's in similarly situated could hire me and I could file <laughs> 10,000 lawsuits, but it, there would be no need. There, yeah. there, there would be no need to do that. So you know, the law would be, the executive order would be struck down.
1: Um, Patty, when do you get to go to court next with this? Five weeks. Five weeks for, um, that, and, and will it likely be like a one day, um, trial or do you think it'll, how long do you think it will go on this, this sort of trial?
2: You know, like with the measles. Yeah. Was 15 simple. minutes. <laughs> it was 15 minutes cost about 500 bucks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> wiped out, you know, the whole executive order. Mm-hmm. I think these cases tend to get overly complicated Yeah, you start introducing, you know, a hundred affidavits, the judge isn't even going to read it. Why would he read a hundred affidavits when one person can articulate the problem for everybody else? There you go. I do not think uh, these types of class actions are wise. Mm -hmm. They will not give... uh, you fast relief. And my job right now is to pull that e-brake. Just yank yank that brake, get it stopped, and then you know, there may be more litigation after that, but Mm -hmm. if you can stop it, you cannot unring the vaccine bell.
3: You can't, that's true.
2: Once you're vaccinated, you're vaccinated.
1: Yeah, Patty, can you talk a little bit about a, a mask case that you were working on? Um, in particular, there was a there was a judge who gave an, a um, a ruling about the masks and said the most appalling, ridiculous thing I've ever heard, saying something like, "Well, nobody's ever died from wearing a mask," and was defending emergency use authorized masks as if they were absolutely harmless, and had absolutely nothing to back up that statement. No science. So you you said a little bit ago, and this is so important. You and I have just discussed this before, that the courts generally weigh heavily in favor of public health opinion, consensus science. They have since Jacobson in 1905. I I love to read that Jacobson, because in there, they articulate that, you know, these vaccines might harm people. Um, They might not work, because at the time, people were getting four, five, six of the smallpox um, jabs, right? And people were being harmed by them, and they were still getting smallpox. Um, But they said, yeah, all of that might be true. We really have no way of knowing. We can't really weigh the science. We just have to go with the consensus, is basically, if I'm recalling it correctly. And to this day, most judges, um, especially on an issue that's highly politicized and controversial and and going against what's considered um, the public health opinion, right? They're not going to do that. So they just play it safe. And go with, I think what we have seen, Patty, is um, when when the really good lawyers like yourself put forward matters of legal argument as opposed to scientific argument, judges and courts feel much safer um, saying, okay, yeah, you can't require that because it's unlawful, not because the science doesn't support it. Would that, do you think that's fair?
2: No, you, you nailed it on yeah. that head. You know, let me let me tell you a little bit about Jacobson's consensus. Okay. The, the judge brought that up the other day. Um, and he, he pointed to a case even earlier than Jacobson that basically said, we don't know if the legislature is right or wrong, but it's common knowledge or commonly understood okay. that vaccines uh work. So here is my reply. The, and, and that is utilized all, over the, all state. over the yeah. Every judge brings it up. You know what's wrong with that? We don't have consensus medicine anymore. In 1986, President Reagan signed the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act. As it stands in New York, You don't have a vaccine that might work that somebody made in their bathtub or whatever. This stuff is FDA regulated up the wild and it is, it is totally regulated and licensed. So it is no longer subject to consensus. The Vaccine Act placed the responsibility and the authority for these vaccines under the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Okay. So, although Jacobson and the case by Meister, which talked about consensus, mm-hmm. have a lot of valid points in them, I am a particular fan of Jacobson because Jacobson says, you got to have an epidemic, you have to have an emergency, you have to imperil society. Well, how is a 99% survival rate and yet imperiling society? The second thing Jacobson very clearly said, well, it's five things. They said it had to be, the vaccine has to be necessary, harm avoidant proportional, non-discriminatory, and fair. And, you know, judges or the courts are are really got blinders on. Mm-hmm. Nobody is, is really looking at that. No.
3: But, Interesting.
2: Yeah, what they're doing is they're running in and they're saying, I have a constitutional right and you can't make me. Well, Jacobson very clearly said there is no constitutional right to refuse a mandatory vaccine. So that argument is a dead, dead stick.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're just about out of time here, Patty. And I think you're brilliant in saying that what, what judge or attorneys need to do is argue other points in Jacobson, not, not that you have the right to refuse, but all the other points, uh, which, which the, the COVID injections do not um, qualify uh, for those points. So, tell everybody really quick if they want to learn more about you, if they want to support the good work that you're doing in New York um, State, how can they get a hold of you?
2: Um, uh, well, right now, you know, we're we're really overwhelmed with a lot of work. I mean, I would recommend that anybody interested can definitely go to my website. I would really appreciate donations. You know, we we definitely are helping I think the world. Yeah. And you, you yeah. know what's your website? Uh, yeah. it's Patriciafin Attorney at gmail uh,
1: Patriciafinattorney at gmail.com our oh, email and the website Patrice. is yeah. patriciafinattorney.com. Thanks, yeah, mother. and and it's time to go. We got the music, but we're just going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we won't have Pat anymore, but we are going to be taking your questions. So and I'll give the, the number uh, when we come back from the break. So stay tuned. Happy New Year. Happy
2: New Year. Thank you,
1: Patty. Happy New Year.
2: I love you. Thank you.
7: Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy but we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today.
8: Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, the high wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.
9: Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life radio and visit the website, informchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informchoicewa.org today.
1: Welcome back to An Informal Radio on 1150 AM, KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, here with Javier Figueroa. (laughs) Hey, Javier.
3: Hey, Bernadette.
1: Happy New Year's Eve.
3: Happy New Year's Eve to you, too.
1: Yeah, it was great having Patty on, Patricia Finn, the good health lawyer that in our first hour, she's doing amazing work. She's such a fighter up there in New York, and I I love having somebody um, that's You know, finding ways forward uh to lead us into the new year, and all over this great land of ours, there are attorneys that are stepping up and doing what it takes. You know, used to be we made a lot of jokes about attorneys in the past, you know. Um, everybody, you know, there's no such thing as a good lawyer, right? Well, (laughs) that's not true. (laughs) There right now, I think that attorneys are our saviors, and I would say the Kind of the evilest people on the planet, right now um, are people who work in these advertising agencies that are being hired by public health departments to try to promote uh, products uh, with fraudulent advertising? What do you and, think?
3: Indeed, and I have <laughs> to agree with you 100% there. One of the things or one of the uh, movies that I would recommend everyone watch is a Man for All Seasons uh, mm-hmm. in which um, there's a discussion uh, about you know what what is the purpose of a law and what are the purpose of laws? and uh, i think in the interaction they they said you know you would cut down all the laws in order to uh you know basically uh so you could actually go after the devil in essence wow and then and the response was and once you cut down all the laws what's going to protect you from the devil
1: exactly right
3: and that was you know it's quite telling laws are there for a reason we've instituted Mm -hmm. them there's many Mm -hmm. years of law and law uh cases And, you know, that's the important part of why you want to be involved in your legislative process and choosing the right legislature and making sure that you've got the people that
0: Mm -hmm. are going to
3: work for your interests. And I guess, you know, people can always make the argument that, well, we're doing it for the public good. We're Mm -hmm. doing it to, you know, basically ensure that everyone's protected. Okay, (laughs) there's a limit to everything, which means that you have to balance the yeah. Pri- the primacy is individual liberties and individual rights. Mm-hmm. That is part and parcel of what's found in this country. Mm-hmm. And the law has to reflect that. And yeah, there is a responsibility for the community to make sure that you know we we do no harm. That's mm-hmm. common law. First, do no harm. Yeah. is also reflected in the Hippocratic Oath. It's amazing yeah. how they coincide, right? So you have to balance yeah. that out.
1: Yeah, we, we definitely do. And um, what we're seeing, of course, is... All of the policies are being driven by absolute uh, dominance and greed and control by the pharmaceutical industry who Correct. want their brand new products to become a standard of care. Um, you know, but, you know, th- this is New Year's Eve and we're going to we're going to talk about positive things. We're going to try Absolutely. to stay. Although I, I tell you, I'm going to share something. First, let me give out the phone number because we want people to call in. <laughs> if you're out there and you've got a New Year's resolution that you're going to do something big or small to restore freedom and defend freedom in this coming year, we want to hear from you. So give us a call. The studio line is 1-888-298-KKNW or 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven. So give us a call and tell us tell us what you're up to, um, and, and what you're going to be doing in this new year, or if you've got ideas for other people. And hey, Javier, how about shout up? Let's come up with a few ideas. What can people do? And in fact, as you as you say a few things, I'm going to go ahead and share. Absolutely. I have got a tab here that I'm going to share with people. You, what are you going to do in the new year?
3: One is I'm going to apply the principles of common law. So currently the vast majority of law that is occurring in this country is called statutory law. Mm. But there's also something from uh, English common law that is mm-hmm. applicable throughout the United States as well. Mm-hmm. And the courts of record, which have to, are basically to enforce both common law and statutory law. And one of the things that's become apparent is that in Britain, there is this wonderful lawyer. Her name is called Anna de Buisserey. And basically, she is using the common law, that has been, you know, part of uh, British canon for over 800 years, to bring justice to basically what's been going on with all these mandates and requirements associated with with this with the COVID restrictions. Hmm. And she's seeking uh, justice under common law, but also an international criminal court law and the universal rights uh, and humanity uh, for, for humanity laws to go after all elected officials all non-elected officials that have been enforcing these illegal mandates and they are illegal there's mm-hmm. i get right now there is no question that they are illegal uh, to to legally go after them and make sure that the law is enforced to protect individual rights that well, the sovereign is the individual
1: that's fantastic and i want to return to that to see what that means in practical terms? Yes. What people could do here in Washington, or here, I'd say Washington State. I'm in Tennessee, but here in the United States. <clears throat> but I I'm, I, I want to show people, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and tell listeners, um, in Washington State at informedchoicewa.org backslash legislation, you can go check out uh, what's coming for the 2022 session. Um, it begins January 10th. And there were some great bills that were drafted and dropped last session. We're on a biennium in Washington state. So bills have two years of an opportunity. So any bills that didn't um, get heard or passed last year could potentially come back this year. Um, And we already have one pre-filed bill that I want to tell people about. So, um, besides the great bills that are very protective about COVID-19 measures for people in Washington State, there's a new bill called um, HB 1680, an act relating to recognizing the lasting immune protection resulting from recovery from COVID-19. So I'm going to go ahead and click on that because I I want to read to you. It's beautifully written. It's... Um, Oh, is it not loading? It's not pulling up here. Um, Oh, there we go. Very simple, but very comprehensive. Yes. So it it states... The legislature finds that the immune protection gained from a prior COVID-19 infection is at least as protective against COVID-19 as a COVID-19 vaccine. It is therefore declared to be the policy of the state that there is no rational basis to treat individuals who have had previous COVID-19 infection differently from individuals who have received a COVID-19 vaccine. And then point two is any statute ordinance, rule, regulation, policy, or practice by a public entity, private business, or place of public accommodation that is inconsistent with subsection one of this section, um, which is what I just read, um, is hereby declared null and void the state of Washington fully occupies and preempts the entire field of requirements related to the protections in subsection one and two of this section, political subdivisions of the state may enact only those laws, ordinances and regulations that are consistent with this section, local laws, ordinances and regulations that are inconsistent with the requirements of this section may not be enacted and are preempted and repealed, regardless of the nature of the code, charter or home rule status of the political subdivision Amen. Isn't, that beautiful? isn't that just oh it just made me so very happy yeah um let's see i think i stopped sharing um, that's that working to go amazing. back yeah um yeah it was just beautiful what a gift what a great end of year gift to find so i encourage if you go to our website you'll find a post about it <laughs> <laughs> and there's a direct link that you can click on and go tell your legislature what legislators what you feel about it. Um, and while you're at it, email the the three bill sponsors and say thank you for for filing this. It's going to need a lot of support, and it really yes. should be bipartisan support, right? Agree. You know, this isn't a a Democrat, a Republican, a conservative, or 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 liberal issue. It is just scientific fact that there's like more than 140 studies showing how strong natural immunity is, and it needs to be incorporated everywhere.
3: Agreed. And now, and you know, the the latest studies coming out of Israel show that uh, natural immunity is 26 times more protective than the- 26 times more protective, you know, depending on comorbidities and all these Mm -hmm. factors Mm -hmm. uh, that, um, you know, now there's that- these vaccine well, I would again inoculations of a gene therapy
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, you know they do not provide the same level of protection
1: yeah so you know on this new year's eve and heading a new year let us celebrate and educate about natural immunity absolutely um, uh, what's the name of that website there's really is it brownstone.org
3: brownstoneinstitute.org
1: brown is it the institutes in the name
3: like, it should be. Let me check yeah, my bookmarks. Well,
1: yeah, it might. I think. I think maybe not. I'm. I'm hoping they left institute out. It makes it a really nice shorter if it's just brownstone.org.
3: <laughs> Where is it here? Let me yeah. check here. Medical. Yeah.
1: Well, <clears throat> I apologize for that little cough that's just lingering here. Um. So. But brownstone.org, once we find it, give you exact uh, website address. It's got all sorts of great articles on a lot of things that are going on. But um, two areas, you will find collections if you just search um, their website. Um, One of them is a great collection of all the published studies on natural immunity. And they're over 140 now. They also have a collection of studies showing that masks do not protect against viral infections that they are, don't um make any sense it doesn't make sense to protect health or to mask up healthy people um throughout society it's not doing any good um so it's wonderful to to go find those collections um there so we're going to celebrate that we're going to celebrate educators we all have to become educators and where you you see this coming year, where you see something that appalls you, I want you to to. Uh, I get this from an old friend of mine. Don't look at it as something bad. Looking it, look at it as an opportunity, right? Correct. So, like that professor of ethics we talked about the last hour that was fired um, for standing his ground and now filing a lawsuit against his employer at the university. Yes. Against their vaccine mandate that is appalling true but it is also an opportunity to expose the pharmaceutical capture of university systems because when they're doing something that's both illegal unethical and violates common sense when you actually read the science and exactly everything it's yet exposing. And that's what we need to happen because we can't fix things unless we can see where they're broken.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And again, this is actually, you know, it, uh, every, every crisis is an opportunity and this is actually showing all the weak spots that we need to shore, shore up and also mm-hmm. all the weaknesses inherent in some of the, what I call the um, uh, under the color of law yeah. uh, sort of approaches that uh, a lot of corporate uh, groups are using. They're yeah. cloaking themselves with what they, with the, you know, basically saying this is the law. No, that's your interpretation, but it's not. Yeah,
1: it's and not. and they're using yeah. that and
3: pushing it forward. Yeah. So that's what we have to expose right now. We're exactly. Really it.
1: And it it looks like we do have Jody in Seattle calling in with a resolution. Hi, Jody. Hi. Thanks for letting me call in. Yeah. Well, what do what are you going to be doing this new year? Well,
10: I am working on my health. Right. I think that. Hmm. COVID has really just emphasized that I need to do better. Um, I had a lot of stuff happen, like car accidents and stuff that I've been recovering from. But I feel like this last year or so with COVID, it's been like, okay, we got to do better, right? (laughs) We got to do better. So I've been working on, and the other, the the two-step thing, more than that, like I'm learning more about, Natural ways of health, right? Mm-hmm. I'm supporting my body naturally, and really tired of when I go to the doctor, and be like, oh, here's the medicine. <laughs> no, I
1: don't want that answer.
10: <laughs> right? What are alternatives? Right? So I'm yep. really right.
1: learning more about that, and I'm going to continue doing that. Well, J- uh, Jody, thank you so much for that for your call and for passing that on. Yeah. Really, job number one for all of us is to look mm-hmm. after our individual health. And I think it's exactly. it's great that you were the first caller with that resolution because if we're not healthy, yay. Um, you know, we can't go on to fight the good fight and exactly. and um and to help yeah. others. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. You know, yeah, thank you. And I love the um the expression that oh, oh, it'll come to me. The wonderful I've had him on a guest several times, and I my my brain is just uh, <laughs> went sideways on it. Not but, Jack, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> Gaeta, my doctor Michael Gaeta. Michael Gaeta. Um, <laughs> nature first, <clears throat> drugs last, right? Yeah. So exactly. right, yeah. We we all know that we are literally made of. This planet, we are a collection of cells and a collection of bacteria, more bacteria than human, um, mm-hmm. more and viral and fungal and everything else. We're this big pile collection. We are not made of, of, of pharmaceutical products. Yep. Nobody was born onto mm-hmm. this into this planet, into this mm-hmm. life, pharmacologically mm-hmm. deficient. They might yep. have been born nutrient deficient right mm-hmm. but not pharmacologically mm-hmm. deficient and if we want to be healthy we have to look to the earth because only the earth provides the real building blocks of our cells you know and mm-hmm. so right now that but that's not profitable for the medical mm-hmm. industry that thrives on selling drugs Correct. and selling sickness yeah. You know, sure. so so and, good know, on you. you know, I, Go ahead, Jody.
10: I I still think that they have their place. Yes, but I think that we've ignored way too much more, <laughs> and it's really made mm-hmm. us very unhealthy as yes. people. So, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. Thank you for letting me call in. Happy New Year's. Happy, Happy New Year's. Year. Thank you, Jody. We'll give that number again. It's 888 one eight 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 two nine eight k k n w or four two five three seven three five five two seven. Um, so yeah, individual health. we we got to do more. Maybe that's one of our pledges for an informed life radio is, you know, because we' focus so much on negative, negative. Exactly. So we got to bring it back a little bit more to the positive, empower people with action, not only to restore freedom, but to move in the direction of real health.
3: Exactly.
1: Yeah. If we quit feeding the monster, if we we feed ourselves healthy and we stay healthy, we quit feeding the monster that's trying to take over our lives. (laughs) I'm so
3: glad you said that because right now we have an opportunity here to create the society we want to have. And that mm-hmm. means that we have to start creating parallel uh, systems that compete against the corporate systems.
1: Yes, and more and more, I'm hearing more and more. Now, I heard um, the AFLDS, the America's Frontline Doctors, they are working on a, a like a nationwide system of clinics. You know, Good. so you can go get. You know, where first do no harm really means something, and fully informed consent means something, and they're not afraid to. To look at the whole cornucopia of healing choices um, to provide you with um, what's needed. And I'm hearing from a lot of doctors and nurses that have lost their job or stepped away from their job in order to start something new. Yes. And that's very, very exciting as well. Yeah.
3: And the other thing we have to remember is that, you know, a lot of the licensing that happens with medical boards, with with people that receive licenses to practice medicine Mm -hmm. in any of these states, that they're all under a particular uh, jurisdiction. And one is, of course, the the Federation of State Medical Boards, which Mm -hmm. is a very powerful organization that basically grants or at least uh, provides uh, the ability to either... uh, receive or take away a person's mm-hmm. license. What I want to call people's attention to is that uh, our, our good friend, uh, Dr. Uh, Jack Lyons Weiler, sent a letter to the FDA, and sent the letter to Dr. Chowdhury, uh, yes. the, the CEO and President of the Federation of States Medical Boards, asking him to support the letter, asking for the resignation. of one of the FDA uh, members for gross negligence. And this is
1: in regard to ivermectin.
3: And this is in regard to ivermectin. and This is something that's very important for people to understand. There are laws in place in all 50 states that put the authority of the doctor above any state agency or even any licensing board when they treat their patient. Doctor-patient confidentiality is paramount and that relationship is inviolate you know, by, mm. by custom and by law now. And basically what FDA basically did is they got in the way of the doctor saying, I think this is going to help you. Let's mm-hmm. try it out. And they basically said, no, you can have it. You can't have right.
1: it. Right? And, you know, and as we know that nation countries around the world, I believe we're up to 32 countries, 32 either countries. the entire country or portions of the country actually it have adopted as their official um medicine for covid ivermectin plus cd zinc and other things they've kind of gone the way of exactly what our government which supports pfizer all the way um yes. very frustrating i want to uh, i want to show you and um and show our listeners audience just a little bit here of something, have you seen the? Uh, let's see, Chrome tab. Let's go over the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. Have you ever heard? No. Of that? <laughs> Fantastic group, made up of hundreds of doctors and scientists up in Canada, and they have put together an absolutely brilliant. It's about thirty-eight minutes. I'm going to play. I think just a little bit of the opening here. Perfect. Um, and it's all about the Pfizer clinical trial. <laughs> but what I want uh, listeners and viewers to do is, and we'll put link, if you go to informedchoice.org, you're going to find um, a post with links to all this. You need to share this with everybody, with your legislators, with your doctor. This is so important. I'm going to see if I can get and this And why to... they
11: do more harm than good. Hold on. We're the con- The Pfizer inoculations for COVID-19 and why they do more harm than good. We're the Canadian COVID Care Alliance, and our alliance of over 500 independent Canadian doctors, scientists, and healthcare practitioners is committed to providing quality, balanced, evidence-based information to the Canadian public about COVID-19 so that hospitalizations can be reduced, lives saved, and our country safely restored to normal as quickly as possible. We support the doctor-patient relationship and personalized care, informed consent and treatment options free and open scientific discourse, and safe and effective vaccines. We'll begin with the most important premise in medicine. First, do no harm. The federal, provincial, and municipal governments in Canada have a responsibility to protect the health of Canadians as well as our charter rights and freedoms. Any medical interventions approved by Health Canada must first be proven safe. Due diligence and research, as well as adherence to the established protocols of the doctor, patient relationship, informed consent and scientific inquiry are essential to carrying out that responsibility.
1: And Javier, that's exactly what you were just saying, right? So that's in Canada, it's in the United States, it's in most countries around the world. This is, um, this is the case. I'm going to play just a little bit more.
11: Deviating from those practices, causing harm and failing to disclose risks of harm is negligent at best. It's important to understand the hierarchy of scientific evidence. When you're talking about proving things to be either safe or harmful, you need to rely on the best evidence. As you can see from the table on the right, a randomized control trial is level one evidence. The highest form of evidence there is considered the gold standard, and it's the only way to prove that something is true. Models, which we've heard a lot of during the pandemic, are actually the lowest form of evidence. Level five or lower as they're considered to be expert opinion or speculation. Policy should always be determined by the highest level of evidence available, which is level one. So first, we're going to talk about Pfizer's original trial report that came out in December 31st of 2020. It was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, and it showed two months worth of safety and efficacy data. It described how the trial started, with over 43,000 people divided into a treatment group and a control group, Now, for two months, they followed them to see who developed COVID-19. The report claimed that the inoculations were safe and showed 95% efficacy seven days after the second dose. But that 95% was actually relative risk reduction. Absolute risk reduction was only 0.84%. Many people don't know the difference between relative and absolute risk reduction, so we're just going to show you what that means. Pfizer reported that its vaccine shows a 95% efficacy. That sounds like it protects you 95% of the time, right? But that's not actually what that number means. That 95% refers to the relative risk reduction, but it doesn't tell you how much your overall risk is reduced by vaccination. For that, we need absolute risk reduction. In the Pfizer trial, eight out of 18,198 people who were given the vaccine developed COVID-19. In the unvaccinated placebo group, 162 people got it, which means that even without the vaccine, the risk of contracting COVID-19 was extremely low at 0.88%, which the vaccine then reduced to 0.04%. So the net benefit or the absolute risk reduction that you're being offered with a Pfizer vaccine is 0.84%. That 95
1: 90- Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and and stop it there. It, um, it goes on, I mean, that's just the very beginning of of the introduction to this. So the the first um, deception of what Pfizer brought forward and what the FDA boasted of is 95% protection, when we can see that really it only barely reduced your risk. But then they go on to even explain further those numbers and how... Um, the, the people working in the clinical trials were allowed to determine um, so many things that were, it, they beca- it was um, subjective instead of objective, Very right? Correct. They could decide whether or not somebody was sick or not and whether to test them or not, um, to declare them having caught COVID or not. Um, and it goes on and on. It talks about the, the, <laughs> the whistleblower, um, it's, I wish I had the list of, actually I do. I'm going to pull yeah. up. I think I've got a list of all the things that video goes over. And when you're done watching that, you are so appalled. And there is a, um, a, a PDF associated with it that's hyperlinked. So everything that video tells you is hyperlinked to the actual Pfizer study data yep. that was submitted yep. to, yeah, it's, it's all there.
6: And
3: one thing that has to be remembered is that Pfizer, after six months, basically unblinded both groups. So they basically said, there's a benefit. We're declaring yeah. there's a benefit. We're going to take everyone off and give everyone the vaccine or, sorry, the inoculation right. of the gene therapy. And right. now we won't know if there's any difference. And this is something that's supposed to go to 2023, this clinical trial.
1: Right. And the, the video completely covered that. So um, I'm going to go ahead and pull up here so I can read to you. Um, is there somebody else? Okay. Um, I'm going to do this again. I'll get a little bit faster at this eventually. I think Chrome tab, and then we've got uh, – there we go. So um, in the PDF oh, – I've lost it now. There here we go. go. No, nope, that's not it. Uh, there we go. Is yes. that it? There we go. Okay. Summary, overview. So what you will learn is about ARR and so absolute risk reduction and relative risk reduction, Pfizer's six-month data report, um, there was an increased risk of illness in the vaccine group Mm -hmm. um, and an increased risk of death in the vaccine group. It's That's just right. you. You have to watch it to see, and I mean, it's all there. They explain what went wrong. Um, they didn't. As uh, Pfizer did not follow established protocols. They did not. They had misleading demographics. Exactly. This, um, inadequate control groups. They d- they lacked biomarkers. That section blows me away because all they did was check to see if people were having okay. an antibody response to the spike proteins their bodies were generating. They didn't look at the people's blood to see, are they forming clots? You know, there's, they, there's a whole list of biomarkers they could have been looked at to see if these products were causing harm. And they knew even before they administered these products because of the history of mRNA, yes. um, right? Mm-hmm. And what they already knew about the spike protein, they knew there was a very real possibility. Of blood clots, of myocarditis.
3: And remember, of all October yeah. 22nd, 2020, mm-hmm. at the, I think it was either the Verback or ACIP meeting, they actually listed 22 potential side effects that mm-hmm. included Guillaume Barr, thrombocytopenia, stroke, mm-hmm. um, thrombotic events, strokes, mm-hmm. event, stroke events, Guillaume Barr, uh, epilepsy, and death as the top 12 in their 22 symptoms associated with it. This is something that they knew about. So when you actually read the documents from the FDA and they say no new symptoms, Mm -hmm. they're basically saying, well, we've already listed the 22 most likely. We just didn't Mm -hmm. find any new ones. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very careful with the language. They're being absolutely correct in terms of statutory law where they're saying there's no new symptoms, but the Mm -hmm. symptoms that have already listed on there are bad enough, including death.
1: Yeah, exactly. Hey, did did this um follow you to the, the rumble video? I wanna
3: it's still there, but it's not playing. If...
1: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and um, do it. See if you can hear this. Oh, there's gonna be an ad. I don't know I don't know how to skip this. skip the ad. <laughs> Close the ad. There we go. It's
3: not coming through. Yeah, it's I can't see it playing right now.
1: You can't can you hear it?
3: Nope.
1: Nope. Okay. I think you might have
3: to hit the uh All right. yeah. we'll
1: I think have you might to. have to
3: hit a couple of buttons.
1: Yeah, hold on. Well, sorry about that, everybody. A little bit of a hiccup in there. Um it's it it's a video that shows why you're not hearing truth in major media. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna try that again and see if I can get it to play. Um it's just it's so appalling. Chrome tablets. Try this one more time. Um, Share sound. Share. Okay.
3: Now it's going to play.
1: Okay. Good
6: Morning America is brought to you by (laughs) Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer.
9: Anderson Cooper 360, brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline, brought to you by Pfizer. Making a Difference, brought
6: to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight, brought to you by. (laughs) early start brought to you by pfizer friday night on aaron burnett out front brought to you by pfizer this week with george stephanopoulos is brought
9: to you by pfizer
10: this weather report brought to you by pfizer
9: today's countdown to the royal wedding brought to you by pfizer and now a cbs sports update brought to you by pfizer meet the press data download brought to you by pfizer
6: this portion of
9: cbs this morning sponsored by pfizer on how to find the hidden sugars in the american family diet sponsored by pfizer
1: yeah isn't that just amazing <laughs> and appalling um that you know i mean this country right now covid brought to you by pfizer is um it seems to be uh the law of the land but again we're we're gonna we're going to stay focused on the positive tonight on new year's eve because that video compilation wakes people up everything is people up and like jody with her wonderful call that her new year's resolution is to get healthy part of that getting healthy is to understand how the information around you is being controlled by corporate interests right absolutely no question Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, oh, I forgot. I um, Oh, I already brought you uh, that tab. I was going to tell you about the great bill. Um, to <coughs> excuse me. Talk about needing to get healthy. Yes. <laughs> I had a cough that doesn't seem to want to go away and I can't figure it out. <clears throat> That's okay. I'm doing my vitamin C and it's very healing. Now here's a little bit of TMI for, for listeners, <laughs> right? You know, I, I guess I'm getting really comfortable with our our audience and our, and our listeners, and I feel like you're all family out there. But what's been really interesting is I got this, like, bronchitis, and it, you know, I had a little fever, and it's gone through this cough. It seems to have cured my hot flashes. I've been suffering from, like, hot flashes for, like, four years. <laughs> so I think I'm detoxing. There and it know. might have I'm – I've been <laughs> – Excuse me, here we go. Eating a lot of cilantro. And I'm wondering if part of my, I'm experiencing is a detox process. So, you know, that can happen. Oh, hey, I see we have uh, Bob on line one in Vancouver. Hey, Bob.
6: Hello, Bernadette. Hi, Xavier. Uh, Hello, Bob.
1: <laughs> I got to tell everybody that Bob is is one of our most wonderful active um, people with informed choice, Washington. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'd get by without you, Bob. You are such a vital part of what keeps this volunteer organization running. Um, so I'm going to publicly thank you, Bob, and embarrass you on, on the radio here.
6: <laughs> thank you. <Didn't>, no, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I mean, I know that, I know you're going to do an awful lot this new year, to uh, restore freedom. But how about, you know, sharing with us some of those steps that you're going to be taking?
6: So I was going to just go into a quick task that seems very achievable, but probably not was just to clean my desk off, which hasn't been cleaned <laughs> since the beginning of the pandemic. It <laughs> is deep. Uh, I've got so many articles and newspaper clippings and letters to legislators that I just don't know where to file yeah. them. But uh, yeah. I did want to go into a general idea. It'll, it'll be a general goal for 2022 is to continue looking for uh, talking points and messaging that uh, other people who haven't been awakened yet will understand. And and I have two cases just today that struck me. So one of uh, my uh, family members has recently been uh, made aware of the high wire radio show with Dale Bigtree, a oh, uh, mm-hmm. no, TV show, and so she's now even reading the RFK book on Fauci. Wow. Oh, wow! And, she, she, and, and so she can't read it. She's so scared. She's scared of the information in there. Oh. And I, I just think it's, yeah. it's, I try to imagine somebody who is watching mm-hmm. CNN all the time and then being given mm-hmm. this book. It's like, no way. Yeah. There's just so much disbelief. Like, we have disbelief that the dystopian world we're kind of seeing from, through our yeah. eyes, yet everybody's just driving to work. Right. And the yep. other thing was, I'm, I'm getting a couple friends reach out to me on an email. I haven't heard from them in a year, and they're asking me about what do you think about the vaccine, Bob? I know what you're going to say, but I just want to hear it from you. And I just, yeah. I, I've worked on some language to be able to reach out to them. And I just, I hope it wasn't so shocking like the Fauci book that it mm-hmm. could at least get them to take one fact home with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And anyway, I think that, right. that constant messaging is what I'll be working for in conversations and in public interactions, in letters, especially to legislators.
1: That's it. yeah.
8: That's all. Small task. That's all. Yeah, Full-time
1: right? <laughs> task. And, and that's fantastic. You know, um, I think, Bob, you and I and Javier, we know so much. Um, I, I would say that actually, Bob, you and I have been in this even longer than Javier. Because, yeah. you know, you okay, were sort so. of, COVID woke you up to a lot of things that you had no idea. Bob and I entered this eyes wide open, and I was in the, in this game, as it were, even before Bob. Um, what continues to astound me is how many people are absolutely still oblivious to what we know. To the corporate capture, who's who still believe that what the news announcer says is actually news, rather than the press release that was issued and then not fact checked at all or not investigated. Um, how many legislators just trust what they're being told? And because um, we feel like, gosh, everybody must know by now, because we, with our world and our resources, we're swimming in information. Exactly. And we have to remember that most of the world is swimming in misinformation. (laughs) We've got the good stuff, but.
6: Yeah. And the sheer quantity of information going their way.
1: Yeah. And Bob, you bring up a really good point that, and I love that, you know, your friends are approaching you and you're responding with grace, with education, trying to not overwhelm them to help them on this journey of discovery. We, <laughs> we really have to be careful not to judge, you know? Um, so many families have broken up. So many friendships have been lost because of this disagreement. Um, and I wanna encourage everybody to to try very <laughs> hard to let go of the anger, you know, and just have some grace in your heart. And when people are ready to hear be there with open arms to help them on their journey.
6: Yeah. Perfect. Perfect point. Thank you both so much for your work and and your uh, contributions for the show and everything else.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Bob. Thank you for all you're doing. Happy new year.
6: Happy new year, Bob. Happy new year. Happy new year. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Yeah, we've got some really great people volunteering, um, and I know that <laughs> medical freedom groups all over the United States have, you know, and our numbers have just been growing um, just by leaps and bounds. The number of people who have come to me and said, gosh, Bernadette, can I can I trust the Department of Health? They're saying this, but it doesn't match what's going on. I don't understand. And it's like, okay, how much time do you have? Where do you want to start? Right
3: exactly there's a map, there's a mountain of information that's right yeah there.
1: and you know i do want to emphasize i know that the that department of health does monitor this program and what we say they monitor informed choice washington they really good people trapped in a captured system yes. people came up educated <clears throat> to to believe things that are not accurate. You know, um, Javier, I think I mentioned this before, but I recently spoke to a public health um, class at the University of Washington, and some of the questions they asked me just so showed such a lack of education, a lack of, of understanding. Um, you know, one of the questions was about ivermectin. And it was something like, because ivermectin has never been studied in the past except for animals until recently. You know, this is somebody, a graduate student. That was what she had been taught by everything she's exposed to. A very intelligent young woman that has been surrounded by misinformation. I think, yeah.
3: And I think that's what's happening is that this is also not a technological as well as a um, cultural divide between our generation, yours Mm -hmm. and mine, where, you know, I remember spending at least four or five hours a day uh, going through the stacks and pulling out articles, you know, going back all all the way to the 1800s to look for certain information uh, that was that was published. And most people nowadays, if they can't find it in a digital format, they give Mm -hmm. up. Now the one thing that we have to remember is that Ivermectin received a Nobel Prize in I think it was 2015. Yeah. Because that particular drug prevented river blindness in Africa and prevented mm-hmm. a host of other parasitic diseases from mm-hmm. uh incapacitating or killing human beings. It was later found to be quite effective in uh you know basically livestock management, but it was a human drug first.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: First and foremost. Mm -hmm. developed by a a Japanese researcher, an American researcher. And they made this available to the world. It's off patent now. It's highly effective. It's used by billions of people every year. And the fact that the Department of Health in the state of Washington and the program in public health at the University of Washington has this level of, I would say, a gap in their knowledge base Mm -hmm. really, really highlight the inadequacies we're facing, not only at the graduate level, but at the undergraduate level of how we actually vet information. Yeah. And that's the most important part. You really have to be able to immerse yourself in a sea of data. And that's the first thing that you're taught. You immerse yourself in a sea of data, you use your training, you use a scientific method to divide what is, you know, basically categorizes excellent data and poor data, and you have to assess it for yourself. And that is the responsibility of a scientist, a physician, and a citizen. That is what you Mm -hmm. have to do.
1: Yeah. Um, But when you have your universities, like the UW, that is so controlled and dominated by the donors, by the pharmaceutical industry, by the research that's funded by all of those corporate and global entities... They're absolutely skewing the information yes. and skewing the education. And, you know, these are good people. People who decide to go into public health, you know, they're some of the most wonderful, generous, intelligent, noble-minded individuals. Yes. And they are so being misled. And, you know, it. we really need a system of checks and balances. Yes. And how do, how do we do that? Um, I'm really hoping that people – Within the system, can begin to see that they can transform the system by simply asking questions. Yes, and pushing back against the resistance to any criticism. Um, A few years ago, when the UW was, um, they added the meningococcal vaccine the, the M, uh, meningococcal ACWI strain vaccine for freshmen and sophomores. Well, we submitted a whole petition that showed that um, the risk of even catching any of those strains of, of meningococcal, meningococcal disease yes. is one in a million.
0: Yes,
1: And because it's so rare, the vaccine has never even been shown to be effective in preventing <laughs> They know any antibodies achieved don't prevent transmission. You're right, and it wanes rapidly.
3: One of the things that and, you have to remember is that antibodies are proxies. The yeah. end all be all of whether vaccine works is if it prevents disease. Period. End of story.
1: Period. Right, and the the number one factor that leads <clears throat> to invasive meningococcal disease is cigarette smoking. So discouraging college students from smoking is one way to they can reduce their risk. But anyway, exactly. we're trying to make that um, and stop the mandate from happening.
3: And that because they were not problem, yeah. they
1: were resistant to it because they had met with the Department of Health who those individuals are also in that whole corrupt system <laughs> being fed the information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I wrote to the student newspaper, to the editor of the student newspaper there at the UW, and this student journalist wrote back that they fully support vaccines and they would not write anything critical of the vaccine policy. I mean first of all, what are you studying about journalism that you would not even review the data I'm sending you? Because I'm sending them published peer-reviewed data. I'm sending them the clinical trials on the product. Right. you know. But they they were taught you do not question what the university is doing. That's a really scary thing for a republic and for democracy if a major university like that is... Um, Creating a culture that does not question authority.
3: Exactly. Well, it's basically, can you imagine if the university said, (laughs) you cannot question the Bill of Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, You cannot report any negative information about the good work that the Bill of Melinda Gates Foundation does. And if you do, you're going to be sanctioned and thrown out of the university.
1: It's kind of what's happening.
3: (laughs) And again... There are yeah. many, one of the reasons that we have a, uh, uh, why, why, uh, why the First Amendment is put in place is to protect the ability of individuals to investigate. When we talk about journalists, we're not talking about institutions. We're talking mm-hmm. about individuals that have taken it upon themselves to investigate and write and use the First Amendment protections in this country and in the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. To disseminate information that is going to be used for the public good. And it's up yeah. to the individual readers to assess is this, is this information adequate for me to make an informed decision about the state of mm-hmm. things? And when we talk about misinformation, that's opinion. When we talk about fact checkers, that's their opinion. You have and that's why it's so critically important for people to understand and learn and why education is so important and using critical thought and the scientific method to discern BS. <laughs>
1: right. Well, you know, it's really interesting because there's a course at the University of Washington on misinformation. And it's got <laughs> it's got BS in the title. And I can't yeah. remember what it is. It's something like how to spot BS or something, you know. Yeah. And um it was quite popular mm-hmm. because it you know had a, a you know
3: pretty catchy, odd, title.
1: A pretty catchy title yeah and I went to a presentation by two of the professors and one of the examples that they were given of how to you know tell good science from bad science good information from bad information they gave the example of Dr. Andrew Wakefield who's oh, one of my on. heroes The very first guest on an Informed Life radio two years ago when we started this show. Yeah. And so he gave him as an example of how he was putting out misinformation. And so, you know, I raised my hand and I said, but you've got it backwards. He was the victim of misinformation. Exactly. And, you know, and I gave, was trying to give facts. And then I followed it up with emails to these two professors and they refused to correspond with me. I said, "You're everything else that you were. Everything you were presenting was accurate as far as how you tell, but you did not apply your methods or principles. Yes to to the example that you were. Yes, given. exactly. Um, because they were so believing." That our beloved Dr. Andrew Wakefield, that's that's the brilliance of the pharmaceutical industry. If they want to make an example of somebody and take them down, they do it well. And we've only got a couple more minutes. So let's end it on a positive note. Positive so, note. So this is New Year's Eve, New Year's resolution. Well, I'm going to get rid of this cough, right? I'm going to take <laughs> our collar Jody's. Um, I'm going to yep. get healthy. Maybe uh, uh, do the vitamin C. I've got my infrared sauna I need to set up and do some other things. Get healthy. Yep. One of the things I'm going to do to get healthy and support freedom is try not to overdo it. I'm going to try to get more sleep and not take on quite so many projects, but take on exactly fewer projects, but do them better. That's going to be my goal for um, for getting some really good things accomplished. What about you, Javier?
3: Well, one of the things that I'd like to do is uh, find ways to support candidates at the legislative level in Washington uh, mm-hmm. that reflect, you know, my values and my, my beliefs. And one of the things is basically to reassess everything that I believed in my life, and I guess is a tall order, but to basically reassess everything that I believed in my life, um, to really, uh, focus on what is critical and important and disregard everything that is not critical and not important. Wow. Uh, because that's going to be the, the way to move forward and live life. We have a a steep hill to climb but i i believe that you know as individual people in this country when we actually support our communities when we believe in the founding principles that provided us with these opportunities we can accomplish miracles that transform not only our community and our state and our country but provide a, a guiding light for the world as well so that's that's what i'll be focusing on this year
1: I, I love that that's some pretty heavy deep stuff there Javier
3: foundational um, though it's it, yeah. you have to get down to the very basics I have
1: to get like down I said, to the basics
3: health first and then yeah. work around yourself
1: yeah work on your health um, spread that lead by example yes
3: um,
1: try it, it in a way it's a it's a little bit like a matter of faith we have to try to match our actions to what we really believe. We don't always do that. Sometimes we, even in our personal lives, we, we choose what's um, financially more expedient rather than what really represents what we believe about how the world should be. Yeah. So it looks like we have a caller. Yeah. It says Evelyn wants to say thank you. And she truly appreciates all your hard work. Thank you, Evelyn. I'm sorry. We're out of time. Maybe you can call in next week. So um, Javier and everybody have a very happy New Year's Eve. Stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you next year on an Informed Life radio, 1150 AM KKNW. Bye now. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's Healthy Immunity Now.
8: Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.
9: Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informchoicewa.org today.